like the words of that video where it simply states that it's simple. It's simple. It's not complicated. But we have a tendency to make many things in life very complicated. Which is why I think we look forward to this time of year. Summertime, right? You can definitely feel it. Some of you just come back from the beach. Some of you are probably getting ready to head to the beach. Diane and I will be going in a couple of weeks. I know the, the jewels here are going to be heading to Mexico. Is that right? Okay. And so vacation, we look forward to that time because the rest of the year things get crazy, don't they? Monday through Friday, there's always something that's demanding of our attention. There's always something to figure out. There's something to fix. There's something that we have to handle next. Diane's telling me stories at work. There was a guy that called up last week that wanted to, like, blow up a state farm agency. You know, just crazy things that, that you're having to deal with on a regular basis. And so when vacation time comes, we love it because it's simple, right? For Diane and I, all we have to do is go out and sit on the beach and do nothing. And she's smiling already, thinking about it. It's glorious, right? Something about being on the beach, for example, and for some of you it might be different things, but in that place, we, it's, it's just you and, and, and God, really. You're just sitting there. You're just enjoying just being. You breathe in. You breathe out. The presence of God is there. You hear the waves crashing. You don't have to worry about everything else. It's really simple. And many of us lament that when we come back. Edie was talking about that with one of the, the grandkids. Why can't we just stay? Don't you want to just stay in that place? <laughs> Don't you want to just live in simple? I'm sure many of us would just love to get rid of the complications, but I bring that up because what I want to do this morning is to talk about the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of following Jesus. Because as you saw in the video, there's all kinds of lists there's all kinds of things we say that we need to do. We could come up with a ton of different things. If you're a good Christian, in other words, you do these things. And none of those are bad things. They're, they're essential in many ways. But we could list all sorts of things, okay? Beginning with our, you know, our devotional time and prayer and memorizing Scripture and telling people about Jesus. And, and then there's worship, and then there's going to church, and then there's going on mission trips, and then there's, there's what else? We could, we could list lots of things, right? They're all great things. They're all important things, but we can get wrapped up in a big, long list of things. And I want us to, to realize that it's not complicated this morning. I want you to simplify your perspective today. All those things come into play that we mentioned, but I want us to just simply look at what Scripture has to say. I'm going to give you something I never do. I'm going to give you a four letters today. I'm going to give you acrostics today that you can walk out with. I want you to hold on to this, okay? So whether <laughs> Justin's like, yes, all right, how very Southern Baptist of you. All right, and so it's going to be a word, lead. This is the word, lead, L E. A-D. And the great thing is, is I didn't plan this in advance. It just kind of happened. Okay? So I believe it's from the Lord, but it's lead. L-E-A-D. 
We're going to begin, and I'm going to tell you what, the, what that stands for in a moment, and I believe it will really help you, okay? But we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Looking for rest? Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is, what's the word? Easy. And my burden is light. Now to remind you of this, the yoke that he's talking about here has nothing to do with oxen, as you've probably heard so many times in the past. It's not about oxen and being yoked together. A yoke was a rabbi's cup, if you will, of teachings. It was his collections of teachings. It was the way that he dealt with life. And as people followed this rabbi, they would do the things that he did. You know, Jesus, how do you do your devotional time? You know, one rabbi, he does his at night, at nine. The other rabbi, he gets up at five o'clock in the morning. He has less people following him around because it's early. No, I'm just joking. But, I mean, those kinds of things, how do you do this? Some people say this and some people say that, and what do you say? You see that in the New Testament, in Scripture, people saying that all the time. Others say this, Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus said that his yoke was easy, that it was, that it was light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so tell us about that. What does it mean to follow this easy yoke? So let's, let's take a look at another passage in Matthew because Jesus does a really cool thing and he boils it all down. We've talked about this passage before, but there are many passages of Scripture we need to be reminded of at times, and this is, this is one of those. This is the, the easiness that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Let's look at this. Jesus had just silenced the Pharisees um, and the Sadducees by telling them about what to do with their taxes and Caesar and whatnot. And it says, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 35, And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he says, this is the great and first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, everything you are. Love God. Okay? And then he said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. There was a time where someone questioned Jesus, said, well, who, who really is your neighbor? Trying to kind of weasel around things. Who is your neighbor? But your neighbor is everybody, so love God. And I said the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. On these Two commandments depend 
all the law and the prophets. Sure, there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament, and if you've been hanging with reading through Scripture in a year, you'll see all kinds of stuff where it just seems to get super complicated. The Pharisees added on to all this kind of stuff as well, where there was like over 600 and some laws that they had broken it down into. But Jesus says, you know, it all boils down to two things. We can even really just say one, one word. Here's the, what the L stands for. It's love. So your L-E-A-D, the first word is love, meaning to love God and to love people. Jesus says everything hangs on that. Everything flows from that. Everything is dependent upon that. You can look at all these individual laws and these other things and sermon after sermon, and it all boils down to this, loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people. The question is, yeah, that's really simple, but it's also pretty profound. Question you ask yourself, then, do I love God? And then it begins, you begin to question all sorts of things. Well, you look at your week and you think, did I love God here in that situation? In this situation, that I love, that I love God. Because love, we could describe it, looks a certain way, doesn't it? If you love God, maybe you would do this, maybe you wouldn't do this, maybe you would worship, maybe you would spend time. You could, you could break it all down and all sorts of things, but the real question when it boils down, do you love God? Are you loving God well? And the other one's even harder. Do you love people? Do you love your neighbor? So the first thing, it's really simple, it's love. Lead, L-E-A-D, the first thing is love. And the question is, maybe you could look at yourself this morning and you're thinking, I'm not sure this past week that I've really loved well. Maybe I've accomplished part of it, but I can tell that something's not quite right. And so we go to the second E, the second letter, which is E. And what E stands for is environment, okay? The environment of one particular area, and that's the environment of your heart. Where is your heart? God says it's simple, love me, love others. But if it's not happening, there's, the environment needs to be checked, okay? I've been thinking a lot about environment lately because I've... You know, I've only got two plants, okay? I've only got this small area in my household, my outside area that can grow things. I've got two plants. I have a, have a, a tomato plant and a jalapeno plant. The jalapeno plant is doing great. I've already got like six or seven jalapenos that are growing just delightfully. And I've got some tomatoes, I think, for the first time ever. And now I'm scared that they're going to get infested with bugs, so I have to do something about that. The environment is key. Does it have sunshine? Does it have water? How's the soil? I walked out yesterday and all of a sudden my tomato plant was falling over. I'm like, how in the world did that happen? Because it was holding on to something else and I had to restake it. The environment's important. What's the environment of your heart if you're not loving God? If you're not loving others, if you, there's, there's something that's fishy about the environment. 
Let's look at a verse in Proverbs 4.23. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. In Scripture, from Old Testament to New, God brings up the heart all the time. He says in one passage, it's, it's desperately wicked, and he says, who can understand it? Sometimes, you know, he says, uh, it's not, uh, he says to the Pharisees at one point, it's not the, uh, the outside of the dish you need to worry about, it's the inside, it's the things that come out of the heart. If you have the moments like me, then you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you get ticked off because someone cuts you off. Here's my traffic illustration again. And outcome expletive deletives, all right? Uh, then, then there's a question, what's going on in here? Why is that coming out? What's the environment like in my heart right now? We have to keep your heart, pay attention to the soil, the environment of your heart if it's going to remain loving God and loving others. That's the first checkpoint. So it says that in Proverbs, but you know, there's another verse in Matthew 5, uh, 5 that tells us, for example, he says, Blessed are the, the pure in heart, because they're the ones that what? They're the ones that see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. There's something interesting about that. So, you know, if, if my heart is in that kind of place, I believe that, that we see God more, we experience God more when our heart is right. It's not that God doesn't walk with us through every moment, but I believe that we experience God and we see God so much clearer when our hearts are right. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you want to see God? I do. L, love God, love others. E is, again, it's the environment of your heart. Sometimes you don't really quite know what the deal is. Why did, when that car come in front of me and cut me off, that I just cussed that person out? I walk down Main Street, and, I, and I, I run into other homeless all the time, and there are other times where I feel more compassionate, and other times I'm just like, dude, just leave me alone. I'm getting tired of being asked for things, and I walk down Main Street. But then you're like, well, dude, you're a, you're a pastor. How can you feel that way? How can you think that way? You work for a homeless mission. How can you feel that way? How can you think that way? And so my question is, what's going on in my heart? And sometimes you're not even really sure why it came out. Do you ever just snap at somebody and like, where did that come from? There's a verse that, that comes to mind, and it comes out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And this is, this is a reason why we need to hang out in Scripture. This is a reason why we need to spend time with God, because it says this in, in Hebrews. It says, for the Word of God, that it's living and it's, it's active. When you read the Bible, when you read Scripture, when you hear from the Lord, it is, it's not some dull, dusty old book. As you read through the, the Bible for whatever time you've gone through it, for example, you see new things. It's, and I know it sounds silly to say this, to use this illustration again, but it's, it's like Shrek and the Onion, you know? So I'm more complicated than the outside. There's layers. There's layers. 
okay? You pull back one layer, there's more, there's more, there's depths, depth, there's complexity to it, okay? You can read through a passage once and see things. You can read through a passage twice and see more, a third time even more because it's living and it's active. It doesn't mean that the meaning changes, but God's Spirit interacts with you as you read Scripture and shows you things. It shows you the things, and you and you and all of us, the things we need to see at that moment. It has facets to it like a diamond. There's all, there, there could be 50 truths there. But what I need to hear right now is that particular one. As I'm reading through it, it's like God highlights it, if you will, in my mind and says, pay attention to this. The Word of God is living and it's active. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. There is no way we, in an earthly way, can distinguish the difference between soul and spirit. The Word of God is able to cut through. It's able to get straight to the point. It says, of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions. Here we go. Of the heart. God knows your thoughts and He knows your intentions. He knows the why. He knows why that came out. He knows why you said the particular thing. He knows the real reason you did this or that. He knows it. And because he does know that, he can address the condition or the environment of your heart. If we're going to love God and we're going to love others, we have to consider the environment. And so we have to say, God, what's going on in here? He says, spend time with me and I'll tell you. I'll show you what's happening in your heart. I will help discern for you the things that are going on. That's why counseling is so important sometimes for us, right? If you've ever gone to see a counselor, the counselor helps you to lay out the thoughts and to say, let's, let's, let's really examine what's happening on the inside. Because sometimes there's just this stew of stuff that's going on within you. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is our counselor. God knows better than anyone the environment of our heart. Let's be reminded of that by, by looking at another familiar passage in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives us this great picture of our heart. In verses 13, 1 through 9, we'll look first where he tells the story. And he says, the, the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So much so, right, that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables. A parable is essentially a story with a point to it. He said this, he said, a sower went out to sow. Here's that planting illustration again, right? He's going to plant some stuff. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. 
But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Give me the next slide, if you would. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, I love that, let him hear. Wait, doesn't everybody have ears? What is he talking about there? Yeah, maybe not everybody. Majority of us do. But there's a difference between having them and using them, right? As you as parents well known as you speak to your children. Use the two ears. There's a reason he gave you two and one mouth, right? To listen more than you speak. So he tells the story, but then you're like, okay, what is he talking about? Jesus, what, what's the deal? His disciples even ask him, why are you telling stories? Why are you, he's, you know, and then he goes down and he explains it in verses 18 through 23. It says, let's take a look. It says, hear the, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, this is what's happened, and snatches away what has been sown in his what? What's the word sown in his what? It's right there. Heart. So we know that the soil, the planting area that we're talking about here is a person's heart. So we've got some people that the word of God's thrown out and, and it's just been snatched away by the evil one. Like it just kind of bounced off the path. This is what was sown along the path. Verse 20 says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself and endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, the condition of the heart is right. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. And he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So we see the condition of hearts here. Some are, some are snatched away, some grows up really quick. And, but the last two in particular, it talks about the aspect of the roots weren't deep enough. The, second, the last one, it also says that, that it got choked out by the concerns of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. You know, the whole point of, of the story is for something to produce fruit, isn't it? The environment of the heart, the soil of the heart should be in such a way that the fruit of, of God is, is produced. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Anybody know? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the things that are produced by a healthy heart. And so, as we look at the environment, what's the environment of your heart this morning? 
We need to learn to assess that. If we're going to love God, love others, what's the environment like? Are our roots growing deep? Are we more concerned about things going on around us or more concerned about wealth? It's amazing how that comes up a lot. Well, I got to work. Yeah, sure, you got to work, but what's the drive, right? What's the passion of your life? So it's love. L is love, and E is environment. What's the environment of your heart? But here's, here's the next one. It's A. We're going to look at the, the passage first. Turn to James chapter 4, verse 17. James 4, 17. A, in this particular case, stands for action. Because in James chapter 4, verse 17, <coughs> it says this. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it's sin. See, knowledge is a dangerous thing. When God gives it to us, he begins to hold us accountable for it. You're almost like, all right, I wish I didn't know anything at all. You know, too late. God, we see this in Scripture in several places, holds us accountable for the things that we know. He says that, I believe it still might be in James, in particular, it says teachers, uh, you know, don't, don't want, you don't want to be a teacher, guys, because, you know, they're held to greater account because they know. They understand. Action has to take place from all of this. For not loving God and others, we uh, you know if we or if we we know that we need to love God and others, we have to check the condition of our heart, and then we have to see: Are we doing something about it? About the knowledge that we have, what are you doing? Feet and hands put in action. He who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it's sin. L, love, E, environment, A, action, okay? And here's a, a, another great passage that we're going to end on today. We're going to turn back to Luke chapter 13. In Luke chapter 13, we see this interesting story. Sorry, I just want it in front of me in Scripture, even though it's on the screen. Jesus tells another parable. It's amazing how often he used stories of plants, <laughs> of growth. It says, and he told them this parable. What's the D here, okay? We're going to come back and we'll share that. He said this, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it. That's what fig trees are for, right? Why would you plant a fig tree? You don't plant fig trees for their beauty. You plant fig trees to get figs. He planted it and said he came to find fruit and he found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I've come seeking 
fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. He says, cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? If you, have, if you own a lot of property, you're thinking, what are you talking about? There's all kinds of space around here, right? Not if you're in my yard. There's one area, as I said, that gets sun. That jalapeno is not producing, pull it out, put something else, right? What's the deal? Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, no, 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 let it, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure or some fertilizer, right? Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. There are moments that we might look at ourselves and we, we just feel like nothing's growing. Nothing's producing. And the D in this case, L-E-A-D, stands for dig. Okay? Maybe there's some, something, there are moments where we kind of need a little bit of fertilizer. There are moments where we need to, as it says in, in Timothy, for things to be fanned into flame. There's, might be a, this might be a time in your life you realize, you know, I need to do something different, right? The same old things, something's got to be changed up. What is fertilizer for a believer? What does it mean to dig around in your life and to sprinkle the fertilizer, if you will, to grow? You know, for, you know, Christian conferences, for example, are not just for pastors. Mission trips aren't just for pastors. Christian concerts, maybe introducing something into your devotional time that you've not done, starting a study somewhere, something that will stir you anew, change the routine. Do something that will truly allow you to pay attention to God. What happens when you stir up the, sto- the soil? You dig around the tree, you're, 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 you're pulling up things, aren't you? You're not uprooting, but you're stirring it up. And there are times in our life where we need some fertilizer, we need some, we need some stirring up, Okay? Sometimes that's what vacations are in, in a way, um, is it's, it's that opportunity to kind of take a, set aside everything and to contemplate, to think, and to look, and to, you know, I come back from vacations many times with so many fresh ideas. I'm empowered to, to do new things. But what is it that needs to happen sometimes in your life to kind of dig up around the roots and to stir it up? L- E A D. It's really simple. It all starts from the top with L. It's all about the L. It's all about the Lord. It's all about loving God and loving others. Are you doing that? If you don't feel like you are, check out the E, the A, and the D. What's the environment like? Are you doing anything? Are you putting things into action? Have you t- 
taken some time to, to dig around and to fertilize, to fan into flame what God is doing, to pay attention to Him. We know all kinds of information, but God holds us accountable for it. What are we doing to make sure that we are loving God and loving others? This week, I encourage you as, you as you go through your week to just consider that L. Today, I'm going to love God. I'm going to love others. In every situation, in every moment, what's that look like? To love God and to love others. You're going to realize how often things of life have tried to kind of crowd that out, to choke that out. You can't allow things of life that honestly don't last and don't matter many times to crowd out what it means to truly love God and to love others. Would you stand and pray with me? Lord, it's not complicated. It's simple, isn't it? Lord, help us to just simply love you and to love others. Lord, we pray that that would be the focus of our lives. Lord, please be with our hearts. Lord, please help us to take action. Lord, let the the soil of our hearts be, be fertile and ready to grow and ready to follow after you. Lord, we, we love you. Lord, may that love grow. May our love for others grow as a result of that. Lord, we thank you for this morning, for this time together as your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Lead the way.